Welcome to the Israel United in Christ podcast with the real Jew. The 12 tribes of Israel, they get the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. From the words of the Most High, straight from the Bible. Join us each week as the prophets break down the basics, Bible mysteries, expose dangerous deceptions, and show you how to come back to your heritage and inherit the kingdom of heaven. These are revelations and insight that you will not get anywhere else. So he that have him here, let him hear. Because the prophets are about to speak. Israel United in Christ podcast. Shalom Israel and Mosin Christ Bless. You're listening to a new series in the Israel United in Christ podcast. Nations that hate black people. And if you haven't done so yet, be sure to download the IUIC app over at IUICapp.com. Once again, that's IUICapp.com. We have the app available for Mac operating systems. So that means if you have an Apple iPhone or iPad, you can download the app. The app is also available for Android. So that means for all your Android devices. So make sure you go over to iuicapp.com and download the app. It's for free. So now let's send this out to headquarters with the bishop and the deacons. We'll continue in the series, Nations That Hate Black People. Read it again. Wherefore Jonathan turned to the Arabians, who were called the Zabadeans, and smote them and took their spoils. So from there, give me the video, T.E. Lawrence. Let me see how long that thing is. I might not even want to touch it. it might be too long. Okay, it's three minutes. Okay, let's get that. Yes. Everybody, there are movies about Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia. What's that Edomite's name that plays him? Peter O'Toole, thank you. Who, who said that? Old school brother. See there, that's my man right there. Peter O'Toole, thank you. Play the video, Lawrence of Arabia. Watch this. An interview with a man named Abdul Aziz Ibn Saud. A tribal chieftain from the northeastern corner of Arabia, Ibn Saud called Hussein essentially a trivial and unstable character and made it clear that neither he nor most other Arabian tribal chieftains would ever accede to his leadership. Even if Hussein took the risky step of declaring himself caliph, the supreme religious political figure in the Islamic world, Ibn Saud argued it would not make any difference to his status among other chiefs, and there would be no question of their accepting any control from him any more than they do now. So during this time period, these were two of the greater Arab chieftains, Hussein bin Ali Sharif of Mecca and Abdul Aziz Ibn Saud. Go ahead. To Lawrence, that interview represented a new and potentially very dangerous escalation in the competition between Cairo and Simla. That's because Abdul Aziz Ibn Saud was not just another tribal malcontent bent on retaining his autonomy, but Hussein's most formidable rival in all of Arabia, Having embraced an extremely austere form of fundamentalist Islam known as Wahhabism, Pause. over the pre. Now I want you to look in his hand. Do you see the uh, the rosary? In the Arab, the Arab religion is very close to Roman Catholicism. 
They also have rosary beads where they count the, the beads for blessings and things of that nature. That's what he has in his right hand. Go ahead, play the video. Over the previous 15 years, Ibn Saud had led his desert warriors into battle against one recalcitrant Arab tribe after another with a kind of evangelical zeal. The discipline of the Wahhabists was legendary. In that time, Ibn Saud's reach had expanded from a small string of oasis villages in the Riyadh region to cover a vast expanse of northeastern Arabia. Meanwhile, Ibn Saud was also British India's man in Arabia, with a close relationship going back to before the war. So the British were backing him. It was him. bad enough. Go ahead, the British were backing him. Go ahead. Lawrence's estimation that Simla was using the intelligence bulletin to promote a man with views so antithetical to British values. But the gambit also underscored a situation. What you'll find out in this video that the British backed this guy, Ibn Saud, as well as the other guy, the Sharif, uh, what was his name again? Hussein Ibn Ali, Sharif of Mecca. They backed him. So that when they were warring, the British said, whichever one wins the battle, that's our guy. So they were playing both sides of the coin. Y'all understand? That's a white man do. Go ahead. Scored a situation almost laughably absurd had it not been so perilous. In their battle for primacy over Arabian policy, two different branches of the British crown were backing two sworn rivals. Surely that was less a recipe for a successful Arab revolt than for a civil war, which, of course, may have been Simla's true goal all along. In his repose to the Ibn Saud interview, similarly disseminated to the upper reaches of the British government, Lawrence argued that despite posing as Islamic reformists, with all the narrow-minded bigotry of the Puritan, Ibn Saud and his Wahhabists were hardly representative of Islam. Instead, as he warned in The Politics of Mecca, the Wahhabist sect was composed of marginal medievalists. And if it prevailed, we would have in place of the tolerant, rather comfortable Islam of Mecca and Damascus, the fanaticism of Nejd. Well, I'm going to cut it right there, cut it short, with the loss for time. But anyway, uh, Ibn Saud conquered, he defeated the other Arab dude, the Sharif of Mecca. Hence the name Saudi Arabia. His name was put on Arabia. He won the battle. So that's why today it's called Saudi Arabia. Because Ibn Saud waxed the other guy and Britain all uh, rallied behind him. So everybody understand? So write that down. Everybody ask you where the name Saudi Arabia comes from. Comes from Ibn Saud. So from there, from there, give me the next, I want the next video. Saudi Arabia is still selling it's a video. You can exit this one out that you, you got up on the screen. You can exit out. I don't want it no more. Yes, right here. This is, I want y'all to listen good. Here's another sister. I just happen to be scheming, going through the videos. How long is this one? Three minutes, 56, seven. She has an accent, but listen good to what she is saying. I don't know why many Saudi Arabians are treating Africans like this and getting away with it. As you know, this is not peculiar to Kenyans. Ethiopians are treated the same way. I've talked about this in the past. In fact, there are several pictures of Ethiopians killed in Saudi Arabia, men and women. But how come this is still happening after they deported thousands of immigrants from Saudi Arabia? How come they are still treating people like this? I found out that Saudi Arabia's sponsorship system known as Kafala ties employment visas to employers Indirectly, Tony. Y'all see that article? Now to look, I do. You always got to fact check to find out if some of these people is making stuff up. Give me the article that she posted. Saudi Arabia, the Middle East, real apartheid state. I had to check this out. I got to make sure we ain't. Right. 
going after something to be all fictional. She made something up. I said, let me check it out. That's it. Go up to the top so we can see. Saudi Arabia, the Middle East real apartheid state. So now, if you notice, nobody, CNN, the Caucasian News Network, they never touch this stuff with them because there's big money in Saudi Arabia, oil money, okay? A country whose black population is deprived, we didn't even know, most of us did not know black people even lived over there, okay? A country whose black population is deprived of civil rights. Where are the boycotts? Yeah, where are the boycotts? Assalamu alaikums. Come on, you fake black Muslims. There is a country in the Middle East where 10% of the population is denied equal rights because of their race, where black men are not allowed to hold many government positions, where black women are put on trial for witchcraft, and where the custody of children is granted to the parent with the most racially superior bloodline, meaning Arab bloodline. This apartheid state is so enormously powerful that it controls American foreign policy in the Middle East, even as its princes and princesses bring their slaves to the United Kingdom and the United States. You'll see these Arab princes with black people, and oh, they're just their workers. They're their slaves. They are their slaves. Okay? That country is Saudi Arabia, or United States don't say nothing. That's how you know the news media, news media works for the government. Saudi Arabia abolished slavery in 1962 under pressure from President Kennedy, who accomplished what the Ottoman Empire and the League of Nations had not been able to. But that hasn't stopped its citizens from selling castrated slaves on Facebook. Stop that. Stop. I see. I had to go check. Click it, click it, click it. I had to click, I had to wait, wait, wait. What's going on? What's she talking about? What are they talking about? Afri African slave, come, let me see the whole thing. Saudi office castrated African slave for sale on Facebook. Saudi Arabia has an estimated 300,000 slaves in 1960. Slavery was then officially abolished, but unofficially continues to exist. Who says that the Muslim world isn't modern? Sure. They could hold old-fashioned auctions for African slaves, but instead, instead, they're leveraging the power of social media for their slave auctions. This is what it said. Now they translate the Arabic words there. Here, peace be unto you. I have a male slave I brought from an African country and arranged for his visa and stayed till I got him to Saudi Arabia. His description, one, black skin, tall, 172, I don't know what SM stands for, is that centimeters? I'm not sure what they mean. It should be seeing, I guess. Weight, 60 kilometers. I don't know what 60 kilometers, I don't know what that is either. Yeah, I'll look it up. Number two, castrated. Excellent for working with a family. You can check him with a doctor or yourself if you have experience in the matter. Because anytime they had your slave work around the women and kids, they castrated you. Okay? Uh, this is why people don't even realize what they did to uh, Daniel and the three Hebrews that was with him in the king's palace. You couldn't walk around with a rod and you got all these women and young girls there. They castrated you, they always did that. Number three, his health is quite undamaged and has no imperfections. Four, age 26 years, that's how old the boy was. His religion, religion is Muslim and he is obedient and will not disobey you except in what displeases God. Please, the matter is very serious and is not a joke. 
No, it's not a joke. Saudi Arabia had an estimated 300,000 slaves in 1960. Slavery was then officially abolished, but unofficially continues to exist. Because this Facebook thing was only a few years ago. Saudis who travel outside their country sometimes bring their slaves with them, leading to run-ins with the law. One of the ugliest such incidents was the murder of a slave by a Saudi prince in London. That's what I said. When Janet Jackson married that Saudi prince, she saw some stuff, but she ain't going to talk about it because she's getting big money from that dude. She's never going to open a big black mouth. Watch. If the American media is not going to say anything, you think she is? She ain't going to say anything. She ain't going to say anything. The court had heard that the murder of Abdulaziz was the final act in a deeply abusive master-servant relationship in which the prince carried out frequent attacks on his aid for his own personal gratification. Jurors were told that by the early hours of February 15th, Abdulaziz was so worn down and injured, having suffered a cauliflower ear, you know when they jack your ear like some wrestlers get that, and swollen eye from previous assaults that he let Saud kill him without a fight. Saudi tried to cover up the true nature of his relationship with his servant, claiming they were friends and equals. But a porter at the Marylebone Hotel, where they had stayed, said Abdulaziz was treated like a slave. If progressives really cared about racism and sexism, they would take a hard look at the Muslim world. But of course, they don't. So let's go back to the first where we got that from. This is where we, this is where we got it from, right? What article was that? Go back. I forgot. Go back to the top. Saudi Arabia, the Middle East, real apartheid state. Okay, now go back down. This is where we got it from. And we got here from the woman's video. Okay. Now, where were we at? Saudi Arabia abolished slavery in 1962 under pressure from President Kennedy, who accomplished what the Ottoman Empire and the League of Nations had not been able to. But that hasn't stopped its citizens from selling castrated slaves on Facebook or its princes from beating their black slaves to death in posh London hotels. There's another article on that. The Saudis had clung to their racist privileges longer than anyone else. When rumors reached Mecca that the Ottoman Empire might be considering the abolition, the abolition of African slavery and equal rights for all, the chief of the, what is that, Ulema of Mecca issued a fatwa declaring the ban on slaves is contrary to Sharia, which means Sharia law, with such proposals that Turks have become infidels and it is lawful to make their children slaves. So you go and be a Muslim if you want. But Saudi Arabia's oil wealth eventually made slavery economically unnecessary. Early on, African slaves worked for foreign oil companies which paid their masters, but they were a poor fit for the oil economy. The kingdom no longer needed agricultural slaves and pearl drivers. It needed trained technicians from the West, and international travel made it cheaper to import Asian workers for household labor and construction than to maintain its old trade in slaves. The Saudis replaced the 45,000 slaves of the 1950s, for, I'm sorry, 450,000 slaves of the 1950s with 8.4 million guest workers. Hear that? Guest workers. That's a euphemism, thank you. These workers are often treated like slaves 
but they are not property and are therefore even more disposable than the slaves there were. Exact numbers are hard to come by, but Nepal alone reported 265 worker deaths in Saudi Arabia in a single year. Human Rights Watch has described conditions for foreign workers in Saudi Arabia as resembling slavery. Meanwhile, the three million Afro-Saudis, that's Jake, are denied equal rights, prevented from serving as judges, no matter your education, are prevented from serving as judges, security officials, diplomats, mayors, and many other official positions. Afro-Saudi women are not allowed to appear on camera. There is not one single black school principal in Saudi Arabia. The Institute for Gulf Affairs, a Saudi human rights group, reported. Okay, let me go down to, what's the word? Kafa'a, equality in marriage, is used to establish that both sides are free from the taint of slave blood. You see that? The blood of, what's that word? Takuni, West African slaves, or what's that word? Mawalid, slaves who gain their freedom by converting to Islam, is kept out of the Saudi master, master race, where we heard that before, through gene, genealogical records that can be presented at need. Y'all missing it. Ishmael got the, G, G, what's the word? Genealogical records. They got all the DNA of the people there. That's why by the end of the class, there's a woman that did a, she did a, a, a video that says, all those DNA things, it works with the government. And they line up all your DNA to find out who you really are. But they give, and they say they fabricate many of the results. So y'all keep playing with that DNA stuff. Give me the next, give me, where am I going next? I'm leaving this now. Oh yeah, go back to the video with the woman, I'm sorry. Thank you. What you want, I thought? No, I was saying that shows that Ishmael still maintains their genealogical record. They know where they come from. Right. Ishmael still maintains their own records. They took ours, but they maintain theirs. Exactly. I hope y'all understand that. Okay. So let's play, go ahead. So that's why we, we went from this part to, to fact check what she was saying. So go ahead. On involuntary servitude to slavery. They do this to Asians as well. They would arrange a resident permit by recruiting agencies that match the worker to the household, and then they would charge both parties a recruitment fee. So now the workers will become indebted to the agencies. A typical workday for domestic workers in Saudi Arabia is between 15 to 18 hours in a day. Imagine somebody working straight for 18 hours in a day out of 24 hours, and they pay them about five to seven dollars per day. And guess what? Some of these employers would refuse to pay the employees for a long time. In fact, sometimes for years they may not pay their employees. They would say we're giving you food, we're giving you a place to sleep, even if it's outside. They would say what do you need the money for? So many employers have actually killed their employees if they keep asking for their money. There are no off days, no rest hours, there, there is no vacation, no nothing. As you know, slavery was officially abolished in Saudi Arabia in 1960. At that time though, there were about 300,000 slaves still in Saudi Arabia. Even though it was abolished on paper, hey, the practice continued unofficially. First of all, when will our people in Africa learn that the grass is not necessarily greener on the other side and that not all the glitter is gold? I mean, we've been hearing stories like this for a long time, for a long, long time. Yet, there are people who are still bent on taking their chances. As bad as it was for Joyce, she's actually 
actually very lucky, very, very lucky because several women were not able to escape for years. I've read stories of women who escaped after two years, after four years, and some were actually killed by their owners. Some men are treated the same way. In fact, two years ago, a Saudi man was advertising a male slave on Facebook, and he stated that they've castrated the man, rendering him impotent. This is the English version of what he said. So this is the thing. If you're not going to Saudi for tourism or for pilgrimage or to take up a professional job, please be careful. Please and please be careful. Again, I wish the African leaders would just develop our countries so that our people would not continue to suffer in the hands of such people in the name of searching for better life. And lastly, if you know someone or someone who knows someone who's desperate to get out of his or her country without knowing anything about where they're going and please and please warn them want them to be familiar with where they are going at least be able to speak the language of where you're going don't go anywhere because you got a contract from anyone really saudi arabia for how long would you treat africans like this and you know i can't help but remember that hashtag that was started by ethiopians when so many of them were being deported from saudi arabia they had this hashtag called someone tell saudi arabia someone tell saudi arabia that you cannot continue to treat human beings like this someone tell saudi arabia that just because the color of our skin is different from yours doesn't mean you're better in any way someone tell saudi arabia that the world is watching we know what is going on someone tell saudi arabia that enough is is enough. Someone tell Saudi Arabia that this will not go on for long. Someday Africa will take its rightful place among the rising continents. Someone tell Saudi Arabia. Guess what? I'm just keeping it real. So, so those of you that want to get jobs in Saudi Arabia, now you know. Saudi Arabia, uh, Lavio just sent me this. Uh, the world's richest company is a Saudi Arabian oil company called Saudi Aramco. That's the richest oil company. And you got many people who go from parts of Africa to go there for work. And they end up as slaves. How come the Christian apologetics don't talk about this? How come CNN don't talk about stuff like this? You mean they didn't know about this with all their resources? They know. They, they accept that stuff. This is why they all, I'll say punish y'all or something. The Lord's going to punish all of them. But you are right. They all going to get it. All of them. <laughs> Give me the next video. Um, ten facts. I want ten facts. The Lord is going to destroy these nations. He's going to kill them. That's what I meant. That's right. You better accept that thing. That is exactly right. Okay, this is three minutes, 42 seconds. Let's play this. Ten facts about the Arab enslavement of black people. The number of black can you slow it? You know I don't read that fast. I'm old. Estimates range from 10 million to over 20 million Africans enslaved by Arab slave traders. Go ahead. Number two, Arab enslavers practice genetic warfare. Go ahead. Six of every 10 black boys between the age of 8 and 12. Go ahead. Their scrotums and penises completely amputated to prevent them from reproducing. Assalamu alaikum. The Caliphate in Baghdad at the beginning of the 10th century had 7,000 black eunuchs and 4,000 white eunuchs in his palace. Arab 
slave trade inspired our racism towards blacks. Arab is not a racial classification, but it's more similar to the inclusive concept of America. In the beginning, there was mutual respect between blacks and the lighter-skinned Arabs. That was in the beginning. That's when they were trying. This is when, I'm going to tell you when it was somewhere peaceful. When we allowed them into our army, our military, just like what we did with the white men, we let the Khazars into our military and our courts. And he overthrew us. That's what happened. Go ahead. However, as Islam and the demand for enslaved blacks grew, so did racism towards Africa. Meaning Israelites. Arab enslavers targeted women for rape. A Muslim slaveholder. See, and these black women that will go out and marry Arab people. You just as bad as the ones that marry the white man. A Muslim slaveholder was entitled by so for, that's I got I'm back to Janet Jackson. I, she's our sister. We do pray that she can repent, Lord's will. But I know she's seen some ish. I know she did. Okay? And, and anyway, let me just read on. A Muslim slaveholder was entitled by law to the sexual enjoyment of his slave women. Go ahead. African women who were forced to bear their children, the concubine Arab babies they had. This abuse of African women would continue for nearly 1,200 years. Arab slave trade ushered in the European slave trade. The Portuguese got their start in the slave trade by acting as middlemen for the Arab slaves. They profited considerable amounts of gold by transporting enslaved Africans. This picture we just saw. These are Israelites. From one trading post to another along the Atlantic coast. The Arab slave trade sparked one of the largest slave rebellions. Zanj. And that word Zanj means black. The Zanj rebellion took place near the city of Basra. Located in present-day southern Iraq over a period of 50 years. Can you look up Zan for me? Yeah. Oh, you got it already? I just want to make sure. I'll be saying something wrong. Y'all be talking about me. Okay, the harsh treatment of enslaved Africans and salt marshes sparked the uprising. Go ahead. That grew to involve over 500,000 enslaved and free men. Arab enslavers avoided teaching Islam to blacks to justify According to some historians, Pause right there. According to some historians, Islam prohibited freeborn Muslims from being slaves. That's why they waited until they got you as a slave. Then they begin to indoctrinate you, thereby justifying you being a slave and being Muslim. They waited. You could not be a freeborn Muslim, and then they make you a slave. Go ahead. Z A. Oh, it was not in the interest of Arab slavers to convert enslaved Africans to well, later on they did. Only children of slaves or non-Muslim prisoners of war could become slaves. Never a freeborn Muslim. Arab slave trade was the longest yet least discussed of the two major slave trades. It's the least discussed. It predates the European 
transatlantic slave trade by 700 years. That's why, that's why Ishmael gonna get it. Ishmael gonna like the song. A brother made a song, Ishmael gonna get it. Yohan, uh, right. I forgot the name of the song. What's the name of that song? Death before this honor. They gonna get it. Everybody gonna get it. Some scholars say the Arab slave trade continued in one form or another up until the 1960s. Now we know it's 2007 even to this day. However, slavery in Mauritania, we read about them last week, was criminalized as recently as August 2007. Slave trade allows more upward mobility than the European slave trade. There are documents of enslaved Africans who were granted freedom. Get freedom with no rod. Some went on to become army generals and famous poets. And of course, they couldn't get a woman. Arab slave trade was not limited to A European slaving, go ahead. Was well, that the Arab slave from all racial groups? Yeah, but predominantly got us. During the 19th century, most of the Wait, stop. During the 9th and 10th century, most slaves were European. The Moors had them. Now, remember in Job, remember in the book of Job. Give me, I'm trying to remember, Job 30, where it said we, in the bushes they braid. Because the, the Muslims they're talking about during the 9th, 10th, those are our people, the Moors. And we had white people as slaves. Job chapter 30, verse 5. They were driven forth from among men. They cried after them as after a thief. We chased the white man like we chased a thief. Go ahead. To dwell in the cliffs of the valleys and caves of the earth. That's why they were in the Caucasus Mountains of Georgia, Russia. And because right? we drove them there. And in the rocks, among the bushes they braid, under the nettles they were gathered together. They were children of fools, yea, children of base men. They were viler than the earth. The white man was viler than the earth. Who's saying that? Our forefather Job. Go ahead. And now. Am I their song? Now we're their song. Why? Because they're in the power seat. We're the slaves now. Yea, I am their byword. I am their byword. They call us niggas. And, and abd. All right, that's a wrap for this episode in the series, Nations That Hate Black People. Lord willing, we will be here next week with another episode and continue to detox our people from the lies they've been told about who you are and where you come from and where you're going. Until then, spread the word about this show. And always remember, keep the commandments of the Most High. Shalom. Most High in Christ blessed. And thank you for listening to the Israel United in Christ podcast. If you like what you heard, we do hope you pass along our web address. That's IUICpodcast.com. That's IUICpodcast.com. To your family, friends, and colleagues, be sure to check out our archive of previous podcasts. Be sure to check the live class schedule. To join us for our next live web streaming Sabbath class. Join us next time for another edition of the Israel United in Christ podcast with the real Jews, the 12 tribes of Israel. And spread the word about the show. Until next time, Mosai in Christ bless you and yours.